Hey, and welcome to the Boost Your Boutique podcast. If it's your first time here, I'm Emily Benson, and I'm excited to be with you today. So what we are giving you over the course of the next couple of weeks is my recordings from my trip to Magic and Project. So in February of 2024, I was asked to speak at First Magic, which I've been doing for many years, and then also they asked me to speak at Project. They, I think they're trying to get more education on that side of the building, and with the experience I have in you know more luxury spaces, uh, I think I'm a good fit for Project. Uh, we had not a lot of people come to that talk, but the people that did come, if you're here, you were at that Project talk, I genuinely want to say thank you for stopping, for sitting down. They are really trying to add more over there. It's a very big show for men's. So actually, like if you are in the men's space and you want to do, I don't know, I just feel like the men's stuff there is you can go from really classic and like traditional clothing, like suits and business wear to really cool streetwear brands, new and emerging designers. And it just is the space for them to launch and like exist and get in front of really higher end buyers. So anyway, I love Project. I love Magic. I love the woman, Samara, who I work with to kind of come up with these ideas too. So just a little like behind the scenes, like I think it's kind of fun to share this, right? I got asked by Magic probably four four years ago now. It definitely was way before I had my baby. So that's at least two and a half years. They asked me to come and do a talk and I love speaking on stage. I mean, that's basically what I do all the time. And so with the people that organize at Magic, it's been two different people since I started, but we figure out what do we think is going to help people the most, like retailers, wholesalers. Now, it's hard because honestly, sometimes I wish I could present to wholesalers. I think they have some work to do. And there are wholesalers I've worked with who have seen really drastic increases in sales because we can look at their business the way we would look at a retail business. It's the same thing. And I say this all the time, like retail is retail is retail. If you're selling one thing, you can sell another. Okay. Like you've just got to be a good salesperson and you have to know the product. You have to know the trend product. You have to know the basics. You have to know why why consumers really want that, right? Like think about TVs. It's like you could sell TVs. There's 25 different TVs, but like what are the best ones? What are the best value ones, right? Like think about any store you go into has merchants, has buyers that are like literally thinking about this all day long, looking at data, looking at how to make more money. Like that's literally what you're doing. So when we come to the table with magic, I'm always like, well, what's going to help people right now? And what feels like it's going to actually make them money? So I think one of the things I'm realizing that is a superpower is like my niche is like, I want to make people more money. I think women need to be more economically empowered. Like we just got bank accounts yesterday as women, as female born people, right? But at the end of the day, like we still don't have representation for how much we spend, how much we contribute to society, all that stuff. So for me, like the mission in my heart is really just about making you more money, period, end of story. So I might, I need to go back to using my tagline more of um, make lots of friends, make lots of money. But it's really fun for me to see women winning in the area of like feeling safe around money, feeling safe with money in their bank accounts, all that stuff. So one of the things that, like I said, as we as I get going with magic, I always focus on whatever is going to make someone money. And honestly, the talk that I did, so I did two talks. I did one at Project. That was all about product mix. Um, it's a talk that I've done before. It's 
it's really to me it's like my old standby material it's like the it's the comedy show that you can go to seven times and still laugh at it's like it's the presentation you can go to so many times and still learn something or still see your business in a different way because I talk about so many things on how to look at product assortment how to price it how to figure out where your holes are it's a really good talk and like I said I started out no joke and I'm like not ashamed to admit this because they really didn't advertise. And I didn't advertise that much, I felt like, for the project talk. And actually, my friends couldn't even find me. The ones that were like coming to like at the end to like meet up with me, they were like, we don't know where your stage is. So anyway, we'll figure that out if they ask me to speak again at project. But I stood up with no one in the room except the woman who was my contact like at project. She was sitting there and she's like, I'll be in the audience. And like, she's like, don't worry, people will sit and whatever. And I was like, okay, let's go. Like, this will be good practice no matter what for my speaking, for my talk, right? Like to me, it's not about the people in the room. It's about me putting myself in the room, sharing information that could change someone's life and the universe sending those people to me. That's like truly how I feel about so much of my life, right? There's a reason you're here. There's a reason you're listening. And part of me always thinks it's because like, you know, people are like, I stumbled upon you and like, you've taught me so much. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what I want for you, right? I want you to make more money. So for me, speaking at Project, just standing up, we had so many people stop by, listen. Like even the people that stopped for five or 10 minutes, there was one guy who stopped and he had the best sweater on. He just looked so put together and he was giving me so much good energy. And like, I think he like had to go and do other things, right? But he stopped for, I think, as long as he could. He was like really like intense and then he left. But I was like, he kind of got me through that hump to be like, okay, someone is here listening. You know what I mean? And then more people sat down and, you know, people love a crowd like, oh, what's going on? So we did get probably like, I'd say amongst my like 30 minutes of speaking, I think there's maybe, I'm going to be generous, like 35 people that came, stopped by, left, right? Like they didn't scan badges or anything. And like a few people sat down and the, there was some incredible women who sat and asked questions at the end. And like, thank you again, if you're listening to this, like it's just so good to have conversations. You know, that's what it really is for me is like, how do we elevate the conversation in the industry to what retailers need? Like I am honestly like, and I think this was a big takeaway for me at Magic and Project. I am honestly so annoyed and just like I have the ick for certain vendors and certain retailers, frankly, who like they're just not moving the business forward. They're not moving the industry forward. Like one of the things you'll hear me talk about in my interview with Ashley Full, we I talk about how we walked into vendors that day, that morning, that day before. And I said, oh, do you guys have plus size? And they kind of giggled. And it's like, what? It's 2024. 60% of women in the US are size 16 or more. Like, are you kidding me? What? Like, what? So there are some systemic problems. And I think like this is just, it's a microcosm of like what we're seeing amongst the world, right? Like we're seeing so much like sort of disparity between where we are and where we thought we were, like where we want to be. And it's really odd. I, I think right now is like an odd time amongst the world, but it's also an odd time in fashion, right? Because at one time we have this like really extreme version, like the Shein, the Timu, who's just like Chinese companies being like, well, Americans are dumb consumers. They'll buy anything for $5. And they are just spending all their money on marketing and, you know, basically just getting users data. So 
for who knows what, right? And then they're just like maxing out consumerism and really not being sustainable. Like I've got to hand it to Shein or Timu. I think it was Shein. They have a guy who's doing PR for them and he is slick. Like I watched interviews with him and you would think, oh, they're not such a bad company. Oh, they're not so bad. They're Yeah, they created like a recycle program at the end of the line. They're trying to be circular where, you know, the idea of circularity in fashion right now is that you sell it and then you kind of take it back in and resell it as like a thr- so you kind of have like a thrift version or resale, you know, a side of your your business and then you also have the new full price whatever. And they're trying to say that that makes it sustainable. Meanwhile, when you dig into the numbers, it is disgusting how much more, like if anyone ever gives your business any like any crap for what you sell and how much of it you sell, whatever, these people at Chian are doing numbers and volume that no one in the world has ever seen before. Like it is unheard of. This is unprecedented. I don't think there is any retailer I can think of in modern times that is producing the volume of goods that these these manufacturers, these businesses are creating. And it's really icky. It's like, yes, is it killing consumerism right now? Yeah, it, it is. It's it's killing like small business in our country. And at the same time, they're hurting the planet. So like on the other side of the spectrum, we have sustainability and the idea that Like we need to be sustainable. We really need to think about the future for our kids and like whether or not you believe in climate change to like be apolitical about it, like why do we just need so much stuff, right? So like I, for me, like one of the big trends I see going forward is like the idea of thrift stores, consignment, resale, the circularity. I do think that there is something to be said for it. And honestly, like I feel kind of sad because I remember as a kid really enjoying going to the thrift store with my mom or like it was the... I don't know. It was like Backyard Annie's Consignment. If you're in Massachusetts and you remember what these stores were called, but they were so infamous and I would go on my mom. I think it's where I like learned how to shop, you know? So thrift stores, consignment, resale, I just think that they're going to be so big in the future if they aren't already, honestly. I mean, I think there's trends in like non-alcoholic beverages. I think there's trends in women's sports and women's sports bars and spaces for women to gather, spaces for kids to gather. I think there's a lot to be done because I think that our generation of people is like waking up and being like, wow, it's really different than when our parents were raising kids. Really different for us when we're you know, in this space. And I think we want things to be different. Like I, like I said, I wish there was a children's consignment store. I don't want to go to one of these big sales. Oh, it's so overwhelming. Like I just, that's not the way I want to shop. I want to pop in on a Tuesday and just pick out some new stuff, get a little treat here and there. My point is, is that sustainability will be more, like, I do think that karma is, is something that will come back to everyone, including businesses. And I I do think at some point Shein is going to be called like an international sustainability terrorist. Like honestly, the, the amount and the volume of goods that they are creating is just unnecessary. Like it's just gross. It's just icky. And, you know, at the end of the day, sure, they're hurting small businesses. But like just if you look at the chart and I have one, I'll repost it somewhere within this audio or I'll put a link to it. But the chart that shows how much they create, even compared to like H&M and Zara, it's disgusting. It's like 10, 15 times, 17 times. Like it's something 
just absolutely astronomical that you're like, how? Like, what? Like, there's no way you can also just produce that many garments without destroying lives at such a cheap price. Like, they're literally hurting humans. Like, it's just so bad. It's the opposite of what we're trying to do over here in small business. So don't forget to remind people online it is okay to continue to post about why Shein and Timu are terrible. It is okay. And and not from a space of like they're hurting the economy. They're hurting small business. Like you don't even have to do that. You can just say these are bad for the planet. Like these are bad for like we don't need this many clothes on the planet. Like we're good. You know, I'm sure if most of us looked in our closet right now, if that's what we had for the next five or ten years, we could figure it out. You know what I'm saying? So let's all be like really real with our customers and with the public that this is a problem and we can speak up about it. Again, it's going to affect at some point your economic stability. And I think at the end of the day, this is why, yes, can Timu, whatever, all these people copy your photos of something that's produced? Yeah, they totally can and reproduce it. And that's really crappy. At the same time, we need to be out in front creating new things, creating new styles, creating practical pieces. And maybe it even is taking in old pieces and remaking them. Like one of the ways I got my start in fashion was going to the thrift store, not even thrift store, it was Goodwill or some, it was Goodwill or a version of that, maybe Salvation Army. I think it was Salvation Army. They had a store on like Onondaga Road in Syracuse, New York. It was like this huge location. And my friends and I would go there. We would buy cool things. We'd bring them home. We'd cut them up. Like we'd sew them back together. We made all these weird clothes. I mean, they were weird, but like who cares? I actually think like part of me thinks that I would be a fun like Gen Zer, <laughs> like a Gen Alpha because I, I that's what I was doing back then. Remember, you were probably doing crazy things too, like being creative or you know, a lot of people that I've been coming across, a lot of women who are starting boutiques and and starting businesses you guys, we've always been creative. We've always been the most interesting person in the room. We've always been the person who, you know, their friends come to for advice or for style advice or even just life advice, right? Like I think that there is that element of, and I've talked about this for a long time, but I do think there is an element of when you want to work in the adornment of someone else's body, that's what we do. We're like, we're giving women costumes. We're giving women that armor that like we always talk about, there is something magical in that and there is something therapeutic in that, that you are serving that purpose to be a light for someone else, to, to show them the way of feeling really good because here's the bottom line and this is where I'll, I'll kind of transfer over into the conversation in the afternoon at Magic, why it's important we continue to talk about extended sizes, plus sizes, being inclusive. Even there were talks, which I wish I went to the next day, I was flying out, but there was a talk from the founder of the fluid project the next day. And they were talking about gender uh, fluid, gender neutral clothing and like what that looks like in the future of that and the uptick in the consumer need for that. Just like in, with Ashley, you know, my afternoon talk was about um, curves in commerce is what we called it. And again, like, so you guys know fully tr full transparency, like that's a name I came up with, with our topics. I came up with all the questions. Like I approached that, that as an interview, like I pretended Ashley was on my podcast, which she will now be right from this as an interview, because I think she has a lot to teach. She has a, a ton of great experience in the retail space, but she's also making money because she's going after a sector of people who so desperately need fashion, who so desperately want fashion. And the numbers are staggering about 
the need, who's there for it, and also the money spent on it. Like, it's really wild to me how much money she was talking dollars and cents wise to, you know, in terms of where her growth is coming from with her business, which is just all she sells is plus size women's clothing. I think she might have some accessories, um, but it's really focused on clothing and she offers such a great breadth of product. So she does a lot of fashion and then she does some like workwear and like functional pieces and like, you know, I wouldn't call them comfort because I do think there is a like level of luxury to everything she sells. Like it's all very curated to the aesthetic is really beautiful, even if it is like under a hundred dollars, but like, you know, her average shirts and dresses are in the hundreds, $200. And that's a really great business to be in, especially with a consumer that is so desperate for fashion. And she is working so hard to bring in exclusives and work with designers to do these small batches and bring women these beautiful things. And I'm so excited. She um, shared so much good stuff on stage. And I think, again, it's one of those things where if you do it right and you do it well, there's no bad time to have a good business. Like I heard that on a YouTube video a couple months ago and it just really stuck with me. Like I get that like a plus size customer is there. It's not a bad time to start a business for her. She's there. She needs help. She wants to look good, especially um, some con- you know, we had a really great Q&A. Like, honestly, the talk in the afternoon at Magic, we knew it would be good because we kind of tested out. So I started talking about size inclusivity about two years ago, a year ago, a year and a half ago. It was a while ago. Like, it was two or three Magics ago. I talked about size inclusivity and I kind of challenged people. I challenged vendors. You know, again, I wish, like, more wholesalers had seen it, which I will say there were wholesalers and vendors in the room who... Uh, in the in the big room, you know, the trade show that did say, oh, yeah, we changed our prepack size. Yep. We have plus size. Yeah. We're extending more into plus size. Yeah. I do actually want to give a shout out to those people who are being conscious of adapting to what retailers need, understanding that it will make them more money. Right. Like that's the thing. The people that I walked into their booth and they laughed when I asked if they had plus size. To me, that's you are like, not only are you looking rude and like giving me the ick, you're also just looking really kind of dumb because to not address 60% of an American consumer base is just bad business at this point, right? And now listen, this is again, not me sitting here saying that for every retail business, you must have plus size. That's It's not a right fit for everyone, okay? It really isn't. Do I think you should try? Do I think you should grow into it if that's something that you want to do? Yes, I do. I do think there is space to grow into it. Do I think you have to start off as, you know, having small to large or or 3XL, 5XL, whatever? No, I don't. Do I think if you want to just focus on plus like Ashley did and do it your way that that's a great idea? Yeah, I sure do. I also think like plus size consignment store is like honestly one of the smartest ideas ever. I think you need the right branding for it. I think you need to, you know, we have like a sort of luxury consignment store here in the town I live in. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I listen, I did like a boutique tour around town uh, like two or three weeks ago before I went to magic, I wanted to see like, okay, what are my local people doing and showing? And like, it was bleak. Like, let me tell you, it was so bleak. I just, there was one or two stores that always look good because they have such passionate people working for them. They always look good. But the other ones I was like, "Mm." and even, you know, honestly walking in, I understand that the consignment store in my town 
they do have a little bit of plus and there are like luxury. So maybe, you know, luxury doesn't really make plus that much. So maybe it's also just a disconnect across the board. But I just was thinking like, man, I'm walking in the store and I really, I don't think I can buy anything in here. Like I'm a solid size, like 18, 20 right now. And that is plus size. And I think honestly, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I look 18, 20. That's the interesting thing is, is like also what I'm learning about plus size more and more as I, you know, play with my own sizing is not everything fits everyone the same way and in the same body shape. And, you know, that's that is the hard part about plus size. I get that. And we also talked about how it costs a little bit more money to produce the plus size. But, you know, I had a friend tell me, oh, it's going to cost me two more dollars a piece. And I was like, that's nothing. Just charge the extra two dollars to everyone. You'll make it back in more, you know, like I get it. I get it. But also like, come on, be for reals, guys. <laughs> like if you're in a position to sell plus size, you should, you know, that's it. End of story. Do I think you have to do it the right way? Yeah, I do. I think you have to study it. I think if you're a size two and you've been a size two your whole life, I think it might be a struggle for you to sell plus size. But I think you owe it to yourself. Listen, plus size woman, I, I ran a store at, I mean, I think I was probably a size 14, 16 when I had my store because I was younger and, you know, hadn't had a baby yet. Um, but still, again, 14, 16. So I'm the average size American and most of my boutique stuff I couldn't fit in. And I hated that. I honestly hated that. And all the plus size stuff I found was not great. And so I will argue that the other way around of like, hey, us plus size gals, we need to sell to like a size small and medium, <laughs> you know, like it's the same. It's just reversed right? Like if you're a small person, you need like a smaller size person, you need to figure out how to sell to a plus size person. So like definitely I had models for my store when I did more pictures and photographs. Um, I had them that were smaller to, to show off the smalls. And the, because honestly, I did sell out of smalls first. I sold out of mediums first. I did sell larges last, even though that was my size. So, you know, I think that at the end of the day, if I were to restart a business like I had like a fashion truck or a brick and mortar, just a typical boutique, I think I would maybe start with plus size or start with a good size plus size. You know, maybe it was equal half and half, right? Like I took my budget and I really said, okay, I'm going to make this experiment. I'm going to do half straight sizes, half plus sizes and see how they sell and equally advertise them and da da da, right? Find some influencers from both, like really give it a good shot. Um, but that conversation was great. And I think there is money to be had in that space. And so I think if you want to do something with plus size, you want to manufacture, you want to whatever, please do it. Please take the risk and also like connect with Ashley. Like if you're a wholesaler and you have, you know, extended sizing, like seek out those plus size retailers and say, hey, we, you know, we've graded our stuff so we know it fits it fits an, a true one X. If it's a true three X, you know, like Ashley was telling me like their best selling size is three X. And I know for a lot of boutiques, they'll tell me, oh, I never sell three X. Right. But again, it's because your focus is maybe like small and medium. So anyway, this is not at all to like say you should be doing this or that. I think it's a really important exercise for all of us in the industry and just as business people to think about the the trend of where the money is like and where the people are and where the shopping is. And like if you're in a state that like your economy is not doing well or women are being really oppressed, like maybe you need to start running ads to places where there is more money, you know, because there are places and this is like an interesting thing I see in other Facebook groups where people are like, oh, no one's coming into my store. Da, da, da. They're in like a, a 
pretty economically tough area at the moment, right? Like if you're in a state that's like just not doing well, like from a governmental statewide perspective, you might be struggling in your business right now, truly. And so you might need to go online and find other places to sell to, find other people to sell through, through Facebook ads and retargeting things and, you know, become, try to become more national rather than, you know, being your local hometown boutique. Like that might not economically vibe right now. And so I want to encourage you to like really start thinking outside the box, really start thinking outside, like what, what do the people in your area need? Like I was, we were on the train yesterday and I think I'm on like two tangents now, but we're on the train yesterday and this guy we were talking to, he said, you know, we're trying to start a community center kind of in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, are we just trying to build something that no one's going to come to? And is it silly? You know? Um, and I said, I mean, kind of, it's, it does kind of sound like you guys are talking yourself into it, but who knows? Like do it if you want to. And it feels fun. You know, if, if you have less expectations about it, then if it is a flop, who cares? You know, like you went into it just knowing like it was something fun you wanted to try. I think we put so much pressure on being like, it has to work. It has to work. Now we get this like frenetic energy. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is like, You've got to be open to the idea that like this might not be your only business forever in a good way, in a really good way. But so you're going to you're going to try everything you can. Like this guy also said something I thought was interesting that I think you could pass on to, to a business. But he said, oh, we bought this. So they bought like an old Grange Hall that was like not abandoned. Like it wasn't abandoned. It's in really good shape. But they bought it and they, you know, they're making it into a house and a community center. And like it's really cool. And he said, my wife and I decided that we were going to move into the space and just really let our imaginations fly, just like really not hold back creatively, like, you know, and he showed us a picture of the interior living room space at Christmas and it was stunning. You know, it was like, wow, they took a lot of risk color wise and print wise and it was really cool though. And I think that's so much of a, so many of us like out here, we need to give ourselves that space to like make mistakes go for it, like, you know, not worry about what other people are going to think, all that jazz. Because that's really also where the money comes from. That's where the creativity spawns. And that's where we can, like, really live in this space of doing more, being more, selling more, you know. And, and like, I was telling him, I said, you know, the, the coolest part about having a store or boutique is you could – do $150,000 to $250,000 in yearly revenue and like bring home a pretty good salary, like a, a good enough salary that it could be like a two family, you know, like a two partner income, right? If you wanted to be the sole earner, you'd have to obviously make more than that. But, uh, de you know, depending on where you live, all that stuff. But like you could at 150 to 200 to 250, you could maybe take home between 40 and $60,000 a year just in payment to yourself, right? Like your income. And so it, you have to do it right. You know, you have to use the, the right formulas. You have to buy the right inventory. You have to save the money. You have to make the sales, obviously, right? Just the money doesn't come out of thin air. But if you're good at what you do and you have a, a business that has steady customers and you're not taking home a really nice salary, you know, and again, $60,000 isn't not ideal. Like we would love for you to be taking 80 to 100 to 120. That feels way nicer. But if that's your first goal is like 60, 70K, we could probably get you there if you're, you know, again, easily making 150 to $250,000 in sales a year. Okay. So that my whole point in, in 
recording this was, it was supposed to just be an intro for one podcast, but I think I, I wanted to, I like doing these little update podcasts and I haven't had a chance since magic to kind of sit down. I did with my clients have heard a lot of this already because I had calls last week, but I wanted to just like sort of sit here and do a little bit of a dump with you on like where I see things happening, where I see things going And, you know, I'm really excited. Honestly, I'm speaking. So ASD Market Week, which is another show, it's like a big, it's actually bigger than Magic, I think, technically, um, because they have all sorts of consumer products, too. Like, they have a convenience store section. It's a trade show, much like, you know, I talk about Magic all the time, but there are other trade shows, right? Um, And this one is also at Las Vegas Convention Center. So I'll be speaking in the same exact location that I spoke this past month at Magic, same spot, um, March 10th, they asked me to create a day of speakers about small business and retail. And I'm really excited. I've invited actually like mo- all women because why not? There's a lot of dudes on the <laughs> schedule the rest of the week. So I was like, let's, you know, women are consumer. Like we are the biggest consumers. We are the driving this industry in a lot of ways, right? Um, especially with fashion. And and at this show at ASD Market Week, they do have a section for apparel and accessories. They also have like a beauty section. They have um, alternative products. They have toys. They have kit. I don't think they have kids clothes, but they have like toys and novelty stuff and they have convenience store things. We They have it's just a really big show. I'll put the link if you want to register um, in the show notes for this. It's March 10th through the 13th. I My day is March 10th. I've created a day with a whole lineup of speakers talking about websites, how to run your business in two hours a day. My friend Christine Ammerman is coming to talk about eight figure branding, how to like really build a brand that's going to sell. So I'm really excited. Unfortunately, like this is not available virtually. I don't know how much of it I can record or not. So I'll figure that out. I mean, honestly, the best thing to do is come and be in the room. If you can't, that's okay, right? It's okay. You're not missing out. Um, but I do want to invite you if it feels good to you, you know? Yeah. So that is on March 10th. So I'll be in Las Vegas again, March 10th. Um, and a little bit like around that too. I'm flying in a few days before, but that's my next deal is like ASC market week. I'm excited to see the products there. I'm excited to see the show there and see just a little bit zoomed out of retail, right? So magic project sourcing, like it's such a zoom in on like fashion and, and, in that side of the world, this like, so it's weird as I've been doing research on all this stuff, it feels like magic and project and like even Dallas and Atlanta and whatever, they're just really, they're fashion trade shows. You know, it's, it's really clothing and accessories. This show is like a zoom out. So like, I, I feel like most people that go to magic and project would call themselves like a boutique style, you know, retailer. Whereas at this bigger show at ASC Market Week, it's more like retailers. Like it's like we're talking about retail. So I try, I'm trying not to use the word boutique because it is like kind of specific, right? So with retail, um, it's just a bigger zoom out. It's like selling different products, more products, da, da, da. So I'm really excited and I'm a little bit nervous. They have 30,000 attendees that come to this show. So I don't think all 30,000 will be at our sessions, but um, but I am excited. I'm talking about mindset and then I'm doing a big Q&A at the end, which might end up just me doing a talk. I was thinking about that today. Like if, you know, if people want to show up and ask questions, I'll be so excited because that's my favorite style of teaching. Um, but there's that. The other thing I will tell you is I am planning on doing a retreat in September. 
I mean, I should be like big announcement, whatever, but that's not my style. I'm going to do a retreat in September. I'm, I'm excited about it, mostly because I'm doing it a little bit differently than I've done in the past. So the idea is that you're going to leave the retreat not only feeling good, like feeling inspired and all that jazz, you're going to leave with an exact buying and financial plan for at least the next six months, if not longer. So you will leave knowing exactly how to make more money, exactly where you're putting money in bank accounts, like how much you're buying, like you're going to have your laptop at this event. Okay. Or you will at least have spreadsheets out where we can do some calculations. This is going to be a very different thing than I've done in the past. So the concept, like I said, is that you leave knowing exactly how much money you're going to make and sell and inventory you're going to need. You're going to have all of it on spreadsheets. And if that scares you, don't worry. I'm going to like, this is why I'm there to help you. We're going to get through it together. So it's going to be a bit smaller. This is not going to be a retreat with 700 people. There are not going to be multiple speakers. The idea is that you come, we do the work. And then we have like a sound bath or we do some yoga or we go on a hike or right. Like I'm going to integrate some of the toolkit from the retail mindset and from the past retailer retreats. I'm going to integrate that into the work and doing the work because that's how I like to do it. So we're bringing it kind of full circle. I'm really excited. We've done a couple events where it has been very numbers focused. And then I've done a couple events that are really like spiritual mindset work, move like inspirational events. This is a combination of the two. And I think it's going to really knock it out of the park for a lot of people. So it's going to be small. It's going to be intimate. It will be here in Massachusetts. I don't feel like traveling, honestly. Um, I want to make it really easy to do a retreat because it, it's, I need it to be easy right now in my life. But I know I want to do a retreat. I know I want to see a lot of you in person because I think that's where we have a lot of fun and we like get a lot out of it. We There's a lot of impact to be had there. So look for more details on that. We're going to be slowly rolling out, but September of 2024, that is coming down the pike. So the earlier you get in, the better price you're going to get and like the longer payment plans you'll get too. Um, but I just want to tell you to really consider putting that in your purview because again, I'm going to have a very small amount of seats in the room because it's going to be a very high touch event where I help every single person in the room. So if you've ever wanted to work with me one-on-one, this is going to be an insane way to do it. Um, and we're going to get the work done. Like this is a position where honestly, I'm expecting more like higher level boutiques and wholesalers to want to come to it who are doing, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 a year, a month. I'm sorry. Um, but if you're just starting out, it's going to be great for you too, because we can talk out your assortment plan. We can talk out how to grow. So it will, you know, it is going to be all levels. And But if you are newer, you might be in the room with some people who are farther ahead, which I don't, I'd love to be in that room. That's a room I'm always dying to be in is where people are ahead of me. So, okay, I'm going to wrap up. Um, but yes, look for the episodes coming that are talks or our interviews from my time at magic. They'll be out in the next week or two. Um, and yeah, I'll talk to you guys soon. I am really excited for this year, 2024. I said a couple months ago, I'm going to blow up. Everything's going to blow up. Everything's going to be bigger in 2024. It already is. And in insane, unexpected ways. So I'm really, you know, I'm happy for you to be here on this journey with me and I can't wait to help you more. Like truly, I want you to make money in 2024. I want you to feel safe in your business. 
And I can't wait to teach you how to do that. So I'll see you on the next one. Bye.